Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Uh, it is good to be with you. I missed you guys last week. Uh, I tend to preach longer when I, when I miss a week, so I'm going to try not to do that today. Uh, if you haven't been here for, for a while, maybe you've missed some weeks, we're in the middle of a sermon series called Axiom. If you've missed any of the weeks, the cool thing is they're all just kind of one-off sermons, and so you can go back and catch up. If you, if you missed them, you're, you're going you're gonna to be fine with us today. We are just taking a look at leadership principles or life principles from the life of Jesus. One of the things that I've found to be true is Jesus is 100% true 100% of the time. Do you know that? Right? Like we get ourselves in trouble when we hesitate to do or respond how he calls, calls us to respond. We, we miss out. Not, not him. Like we miss out on his promises. We miss out on his provision. We, we miss out on his blessings. And so this is an encouragement. Listen to what Jesus tells us to do. And, and, and go do it as fast as you can. And so last week, Taylor talked about being faithful in the, the little things. It's one of my favorite principles in, in Scripture. Be faithful in little. If you're faithful in little, God can trust you with, with more, right? And so whatever you have right now, you're faithful. If your car, how many have a car that's awful? Anybody have a car that's a clunker right now? Anybody? Okay, you don't want to admit it. And so I remember having a bad car. And I, I remember, I wouldn't keep it clean, right? I wouldn't keep it clean. I'm like, this car sucks anyways, right? It's not, it literally cannot be any less valuable than it is. And I had somebody tell me one time, if you take care of that car, like it's a piece of crap, you're always going to have crap. If you start treating that car like it's the most amazing thing in the world, uh, God, God can bless you, right? You take care of what you have, your house, your car, your kids, whatever. And so take care of the small things. Today, I want to talk to you on something that uh, is life-changing, but most people I know, specifically Christians, struggle with. It's life-changing, but most people that go to church struggle with it. Here's my opening question. How many of you want God to bless your life? Anybody? Okay, I, I, I do. I want the biggest house he can give me. Anybody else? Right? I want him to show off in my life. I, I'm just being honest with you. I, I I want, I want, if, whatever he has for me, I want it. For this church, I want, I want everything that he has for us as a church. I want, I think this is not the last building I want to have. I want to have a, a huge building in Phoenix. I want them to be like, is that the mall? Is that KOP? No, that's JRNY, right? Like, that's Journey Church, right? Like, I, I want, I want to have everything. So I'm going to ask you again. Anybody else want God to bless your life? Come on. Right? Like, if, 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 hey, you want a promotion? No, not me. Right? Yes. I want as much money as he can bring into my life. Right? Like, I want him to bless him. You're like, Are you, isn't it wrong to be rich? Listen, we're all rich. You make more than $2 a day, maybe because of inflation, $2.50 a day. You make more than 50% of the world right now. You have two cars. You, you, have, you, have, you have a walk-in closet. You have clothes. You walk into your closet. You're like, there's all this stuff. And you're like, I have nothing to wear. You got two. How many of you got two fridges in your house? And a stand-up freezer. Right? You and me are rich. Let's not get all religious in this place. I, just, I don't think you should be rich. We're already rich. I, I, I want God to give everything to bless me with everything to open up every door. I, I want God to bless me. I'll ask you one more time. How many I want God to bless you? All right. I'm going to tell you how to be blessed. It's not a prayer. 
It's not crossing your fingers. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's not some gimmick. I'm not going to sell you something today and tell you for $59.95, you give this to me. I'll bless you. I'll send you holy water. I wipe my armpits with it. I send it to you, right? <laughs> like, this is, not, this is not that message. This is also not a message uh, specifically about money. I'm not going to have an offering time at the end, retake another offering up. This has nothing to do with, 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 with the church today. I want to talk specifically to you about something that will absolutely change your life. It will take the financial lid, uh, the, if you're a business owner, the lid off your business. If you're an entrepreneur, the lid off your, your whatever you sell. Like whatever you want to be successful in in your life, this principle will take the spiritual lid off of, off of your life. I want to show you what Jesus says. Watch what he says in, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse number 38. Gives us a really simple principle. Now, I want to preface this by giving you what he says before. He's talking about forgiveness. He's talking about judgment. He's talking about be, being a giving person in general, a generous person. Here, here's how simple that he makes it. Watch what he says. He says, give in verse number 38, and it will be given to you. You have, you have a Bible, or you, you should highlight that, right? If you, on your, on your U version, highlight that. Give, because here's the problem. We want to, God, I want you to bless me. What's the first thing? And, come on, it's not hard. This is why church people get tight right now. Wait a second, pastor. You were super excited a second ago. Well, I want a bigger house, pastor. I need a new car. I need him to bless me. I want his business. I want all this stuff. God, I want resources. I need all this. Okay. What's the first step? Everybody say it. And here's the problem. Here's the problem. Christians are not giving people. Just just be honest with you. As a whole. We're less giving now in 2023 than Christians were in 1933. If you're a historian, you know what happened in 1933? The Great Depression. (laughs) It was an awful time in America. We are less giving now than we were. They don't know about the economy and our mortgage rates are 7.08. Did you look at the economy and housing prices are skyrocketing and people can't afford not to pass? We're going to talk about giving. Well, they did it during that time when they, they had nothing. Give and it will be given to you. Give and it will be given to you. Watch what he says. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. It's really simple. With the measure you use, with the extent that you use to be giving, he says, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to pour it, I'm going to press down, shaking together, and I'm going to pour it over. That, that was an old, old time. Like, we won't understand that because we don't, we don't work like this, but in the, in the market at that point, you would take a basket to a vendor, and if they were a shrewd vendor, they would dump in grain into your basket and send you on your way. But how many of you know that if you go to a, a, a vendor that's fair and they put grain in your basket and you shake it a little bit, what happens? Makes more room. You shake it just a little bit, right? We should do this with chip companies. You take a bag of chips, and when you open up, you just shake it, and they give you some more. There's plenty more room in there. You shake it, and then they put some more in. Now, a really kind vendor, a really kind person in, in the market, when they do that, they'll give you even more that you ask for. It'll be pressed down, shaken together, and so much it's running over. You're picking the extra up and you're sticking it in your pockets and in your shirts. You got so much for your money's worth. He says, when you give, this is how God gives back. He says, it's going to be pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Give, 
and it will be given to you. Now, we could call this axiom so many different things. Like, there were so many different titles. Like, I, we, we've said this before in church, can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. I heard one person say, begin to develop a life where you pour, you don't store. I like that, but I didn't want to steal it. And so, uh, I, I've said before in church, you live with the open hand, you'll live under an open what? You guys remember that? Some of you haven't been here. You live with the open hand. You, live under, you, you want to expand your level of living, you got to ex- expand your level of giving. One person said giving is living. You're probably the only time you ever hear me say this, be a liberal. <laughs> the only time you're ever going to hear me say, hey, with, with your stuff, with what God trusts you with, with the resources he gives you, with your time, with your talent. Be somebody who is liberal with it. Like, give it away. Why? Give and it will be given to you. But none of those seem fitting, right? So here's, here's axiom number five. Axiom number five. Being generous is the best for us. I'm going to teach my kids. My mom and dad taught me this years ago. Through their life, with their house, with their finances, with their church. With everything that they have, they've taught me, and I'm so glad they taught me. The best thing for you, son, is to develop generosity. The best thing you can teach your kids is generosity. The best way to live your life, being generous, is the best for us. There's nothing better than being generous. In fact, Jesus said, he said, it's more blessed to give then receive. They tell us in Acts. Don't forget what Jesus said. It's more blessed to give than receive. That word blessed in Greek means happy. You want to be happy? You want to have contentment? You want to have joy in your life? It's not going to be found in buying something else. I gave you that picture. Oh, yeah, I want that bigger house. That bigger house is not going to make you happy. A nicer car is not going to make you happy. That better clothes is not going to fulfill you forever. It's not going to make you happy. What's going to make you happy? What does the Bible say? Giving leads to joy. Some of you are super depressed. It's because you don't give. You're not generous. Generous is the best for us. And here's the problem with it. All of us, we're looking around. We're going, yes, yeah, probably this so-and-so needs to hear this message. They got a lot. I got a little. You ever been that? Well, it's, it's not going to hurt them. It's nothing for them. Right? They got a lot. I got a, I got a little. Someone so needs it. I wish I'm going to, you know, I don't ever share the message, but today I'm going to share the message. I got a rich brother-in-law. I just want them to help me out. And here's the thing about it. It don't matter if you are a minimum wage teenager going through puberty right now. Or you are a super successful in your field. You got titles given to you. You got you got extra names in the beginning of your name, you know what I'm talking about? And you, you make, you make $500,000 or a million dollars or $100,000 or $50,000 or you make, listen, you made, my first job, I made $33 in eight hours of working on Saturday. I remember my dad telling me, you got to be generous with that money. You got to start with tithing. I remember telling my dad, how poor is your church? Now, you need me as a 15-year-old, a 14-year-old, to tie $3 to it. (laughs) I don't think that's fair. I don't think God needs that $3. He said, no, no, no. God doesn't need your money. He says, I want you to experience the blessings of God in your life. Whether your kid, man, you have a kid that's on an allowance, that you give him five bucks a week. 
The first thing you're teaching them is not saving for themselves. I want to Dave Ramsey them. I'm going to save. I'm going to snowball their debt, right? Snow. No, the first thing you're teaching them is the spirit of generosity in, in their life. And here's why. Watch what it says in Proverbs, Proverbs 11. It says, one person gives freely, yet they gain even more. This is an amazing principle. One person gives, yet it seems like it never runs out. Uh, another withholds unduly, but they come to poverty. You notice it doesn't say they, they one has more than the other. One, one gives, yet it feels like there's more. One ties, one serves, one gives resources, one is generous, one tips well. One, it always feels like they have enough. Another one hoards everything they have, yet it feels like they never have enough. He says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. There's never a perfect time. I tell people all the time, I would, I, I'm waiting. When I get this raise, I'm going to be more generous. When I get this job, when I get this promotion, when I get my bills in order. No, there's never a perfect time. There's never an easy time. There's never a convenient time. I have 43 years old. I've never walked in my life and been going through life, and God just dropped a stack of money in front of me. And I was like, now I can be generous. I wish it worked. I've been praying for that for years, right? <laughs> there's bills. There's broken stuff. There's braces. There's school lunches, there's back to school, there's school supplies. You've got to take out a second loan for school supplies now. There's vacations, there's needs, there's hospital visits. There is always a situation. It is never a right time, a convenient time, an easy time. It's always just time. It's just time. There is just a time. It's time for more of you to develop a lifestyle of generosity. If you want to live in the prosperity of God, give and it will be what? Given to you. With the measure you use, that's the measure that God will use. I want to show you this in scripture. I want to show you this because I want, I want to live in, in prosperity. I want God to bless. I want God to open up doors. I, I, want, I want God. You don't get to decide, by the way, how God does it, right? But you just want to make sure you're in position for when God does it. You know what I'm talking about? Right? You ever take your kid to a splash pad? Right? And they're running around a splash pad. When they're little, you are praying. That splash pad gets them. Right? I remember when they were little, they were running around, running around, running around. You're watching this, it's shooting up on the left side. They're at the right side. You're like, hey, go to the left side. They're like, they're like just, right? And you're like, it's going to shoot them right in the face. It's going to be awesome, right? And you got your camera out. And, and listen, they're running around. It's not getting them. But eventually, their luck runs out. Eventually, it gets them. And I'm not telling you, hey, you do this. Hey, you give this this week, and then this will be open. I, don't, I can't decide how that happens. I can't decide God's plan. I can't desi decide when God works it out. I just know I want to put myself in position to be prosperous. I want to see God do what he is supposed to and wants to and is destined for, for, for my life. So I want to take you into a story in 2 Kings chapter 4. So if you're not a Bible person, we're, we're in the New Testament. We're going to go back all the way to the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 4. Here's why I love this story. Is, uh, this story comes at a time when um, the people of God, the Israelites, they're divided into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. Uh, they can't get their act together. They have different kings for each kingdom. This story is, uh, is uh, going to take place in the northern kingdom. And the northern kingdom is being ruled by a king that wants nothing to do with God. He just doesn't listen to God. And I, I'm not even know, you don't listen to God whether you're a government official or a teacher or whatever. Stuff just don't go well. We're not that smart. We don't got our act together. We, we, can't, we, like, we need the wisdom of God. 
And so this king doesn't, doesn't choose to listen to God. He just kind of disobeys him. He tries to do stuff himself. They're worshiping false idols. They're, you know, following false gods. Everything's kind of falling apart. And because of that, the people of the country are suffering. People, the, the economy's awful. People are losing their jobs. Uh, the, the housing market is inflated. Uh, this, I'm making this up, by the way. But the housing market's inflated. The interest rate's sky high. Young people can't afford it. They all got college debt. Like, everything's bad. Gas for your camel is 17 cents a gallon, right? Like, it's bad. Everything's bad. They're paying minimum wage, you know, minimum wage $15 an hour for, for, for McDonald's workers now. Everything is just wrong, right? It's just bad. Everything, the, the wrong president's in there. Like, everything is bad. We're waiting for two more years for a new election. Like, everything is bad. Anybody else, if, you know, preaching to us now. Nothing's right. Stock market's tanked, your IRA, your 401k, they're bleeding, right? Like you don't even want to look at them. You were going to retire, but you can't retire. Now you got to work until you're 95 years old. Everything is bad. It's so bad, even the men of God are losing their jobs. They're unemployed. Like nobody wants to listen to them. Everybody's struggling. Nobody has food. Everything is bad. In this economy, how many of you would be like, yeah, I don't think I can be generous. I got to get mine which is like a lot of us. Like, I, I get it, man. They, they didn't, they, you know, we're supposed to give, but like, you don't know how hard it is. Like, I, I just read um, this week that the average American adult, uh, us, right, cannot pay a $400 emergency bill right now in America. Like, if something happens, $400. Now, we can go to the Phillies games. I was there last night. That place is packed. <laughs> we can spend $35 on Chickie and Pete's, right? We can do that. We can spend $400 on a night there. But we cannot afford a $400 bill. If our air conditioner goes out, if something bad happens, we're in trouble. And so we're living in tight times. Like, like the economy, you're going to hear, start hearing about how tight the economy is and people are suffering in the middle class, right? And all this stuff. Most of us would place ourselves in the middle class and we're going, you're right. I can't be generous. Next sermon, pastor. I'm going to tune you out. I want God to bless me, but there has to be a different way. So this, this, this story takes place in a very common situation. The Bible says in this story, we're going to meet a man named Elisha, who's a prophet, and a, and a woman who just lost her husband. Here's how she's introduced. The wife of a man from the company of prophets cried out to Elisha. So Elisha's a prophet, and he has other men that were prophets with them. They're buddies. She comes to Elisha, and she says, your buddy... The other prophet, we don't even know his name, he died. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So let me just give you context. She's a woman, and it's not 2023 in America. She's not able to go have a job. She doesn't have an education. She is a housewife. That's her, that's her job. She raises her boys. She, she takes care of the home. Her husband goes out and works. If her husband dies and she's left to be a widow, she's left in dire straits. She's not going to go out and make money. She is going to beg. That's it. She's, 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 she's hopeless. And oh, by the way, her two boys that could go out and work and provide, they, they're in debt. Her husband, I don't know what happened. He got them in debt. Maybe he bought a house, didn't pay it off. Maybe he used his visa card too much. Maybe he made a bad investment. But he died unexpectedly, and he left his family in dire straits. He didn't have no life insurance. So here's the answer. 
the creditors are going to come to our house. There's no bankruptcy at this time. And they're physically going to remove my two boys from my house. And they're going to work for an extended period of, of time as a quote-unquote slave until they pay off the debt. Which the Bible says when you are a, in debt to a company that you're slave to that company, by the way. They're not your friends. Visa is not your friend. Right? They give great point system. Yes, because the majority of you don't pay it off. So they're going to come get these, these, these boys. So she's in an awful situation. She's going to lose her sons. She's never going to be a grandma because they're going to go out to pay this off for a long time. They're not going to be able to get married. And she's going to be out on the street begging for her next meal. This is her situation. If there was ever somebody who should not be generous in this moment, it's this lady. Like This is not a moment where you, you're going, okay, here's the answer. I'm going to give something away. You're going, God, do something for me. Here's what Elisha does. The Bible says Elisha replies to her, how can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. That's very important. How can I help you? Tell me what you have in your house. How can I help you? Tell me what you, this is really important. Not how can I help you? I got all these resources. I'll give them to you. I'm a prophet. How can I help you? Here's how I'm Tell me what you have in your house. Watch, watch what it goes on to say. She says, your servant has nothing there at all. Right? She gets super exaggerant. But a small jar of olive oil. All I got left is this small jar of olive oil. Here's what Elijah says. He says, go around and ask all of your neighbors for empty jars. I want you to vision this. Don't ask for just a few. Go to your neighbors, get every empty jar you can find everywhere. Go knock on doors, get every empty jar you can find. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons and pour oil into all the jars. And as each is filled, pour, put it to the side. So I want you to think with me. She, like, we know what happens because we can read it. You have one jar of oil left. That's all you have. Your sons are going to go be enslaved. You're going to beg on this thing. You got oil. This represents your ability to maybe clean yourself off one more time. Maybe wash your hair, wash your face, maybe make a little bit of bread, do something. I don't know what you do with oil there. Like it represents maybe you can barter for one last meal before you die or have to go beg. You have one thing. And his answer, here's his answer. Go to your neighbors and get their jars. What do you think she's saying? What about all my jars? My jar's empty. My pantry's empty. This is an awful plan, Elisha. Go get all of my neighbor's jars and pour my last little bit of oil into their jars. And by the way, I only have a little thing. Watch what the Bible says. The Bible says that he says, go inside, shut the door behind you and your sons and pour the oil into the jars. She left him and she shut the door behind her and her sons and they brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. So I want you to see this. She gets the first jar. She's like, I don't even like them. I don't like them. They don't mow their grass. They don't even like these people, right? She starts begrudgingly pouring, right? Because sometimes you got to fake it till you make it, right? And so she begrudgingly pours, and as she's pouring it out, she, she, she should be done what she has, but as she pours what she has out, it begins to fill up this basin, and she's pouring, and she's going, and she's watching it rise, and she's like, oh, my gosh. She's like, get another one. And she pours and get another one. And she pours and she's like, oh yeah, I like them. They have two. Oh, let me pour. And she just keeps pouring. She pours so much. All the jars from all of her neighbors are filled. The Bible says, she says, bring me another one. She's loving this. And he says, we don't have any more. There's no jars left. And when the jars stop coming, the oil stops flowing. 
Now, he, here's the part that's, that's, that's interesting. She doesn't know what's about to happen. Here's what Elisha says. Elisha says she went and she tells the man of God, hey, I did what she said. I, I poured it out in the neighbor's things. It's really exciting. She's excited about this. I did what she said. Here's what he says. He says, okay, now I want you to go and sell all of the oil and pay off your debts. And then you can live on the remainder of the oil until you get back on your feet. I want to show you a couple things in this story that are really important. I would call them prosperity principles. Prosperity principles. Uh, first one is this. First one is this that I think you see in this. Your greatest obstacle to prosperity is a poverty mindset. When I meet people, even though we live in the wealthiest country in the world, the poorest people in our country are still rich compared to the rest of the world. It's just reality. You have a car, you're rich. You have two cars, you're like Bill Gates in parts of the world. You got a house, you got clothes, you, you, you go out to eat, you complain ever that your food is not warm, and when you go out to eat, you're rich. You, you have more than most people have ever had in the history of, of the world. We, we are wealthy people. Our kids play sports for activities. They go to private schools. They got all sorts of opportunities. We go on vacation after vacation. You ever meet somebody like, how many vacations you go on this year? I went on one. Man, that sucks for you. You only went on one vacation? My kids, how many vacations are we going on this summer? I don't know, we're going on two. Two? I'm like, bro, two vacations is good, right? Like, I'm trying to find myself explaining to them. We get mom and papa own a house in Myrtle Beach. We get to go for free. Like, it's amazing, right? This is amazing. Like, we get to, and you got, you got vacations. Like, here's the thing about it. All of us in this room, even the poorest ones in this, in this room, it's not a poverty thing that's in our way. It's not, we don't have enough to, to give. It's, we don't, we don't have enough in our bank. We don't have enough in our, in our, in our, in our resources. It's a poverty mindset. It's, it's, it's here problem. And part of the problem of why you don't see more prosperity in your life is because you have a poverty mindset. Think about this. Uh, I, saw, I, I, I saw kids walking in today, and I, you know, I was high-fiving kids and talking to kids, and, and one of the kids, I said, hey, how you doing? And he went to give me a high-five, but he had this in his hand. And he thought I was asking him for his ice cream card. He was like... <laughs> and I... I, I he, He's just a kid. So what does he have in his hand? He got free ice cream. What do I have in my pocket? I got all these things in my pocket. I mean, I can make it rain all over this stage if I want to. I control the whole thing. He had one, one, just one, just one. He has a poverty mindset. He's just a little kid, though. Like, you ever, give, you ever give your kid something? We were at a baseball game last night, and, you know, kids, we, it's really expensive to eat there. So sometimes you're like, hey, we're all just going to share a drink here. We're, we're, all, we're all related, right? And so, and so you get them one drink, which is torture. And they, they fight over it. Like, the biggest drinks in the world, literally, this Trey Turner cup is like this big. You can literally, I'm going to turn it into a hot tub tomorrow when I get there, right? It's that big. And literally, you watch your kids, all of them, they're, 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 they're sharing, but they're counting how many sips the other person takes. And you're watching them as a parent, and you're thinking to yourself, I have a credit card in my pocket. I can get you many more of those. But you're fighting with your brother or your sister or me even. Like you're arguing with me, and you're counting the number of sips that I took of the drink that I paid for. <laughs> Anybody have a dog in this place? You ever give your dog because you love your dog a bone? 
you know, like an organic, a pig from Ireland somewhere's ears, right? Like makes them live longer. You give them that and you give them bone. You have a whole bag because you love your dog and you, you have more, but you give them a bone and then you try to take the bone back. What do they do? That, that dog who you literally treat like a child growls at you because you're trying to take back a bone that you bought for them. That dog, because they can't think, right? And that child, because they're still immature, they have a poverty mindset. And here's what I found. A lot of people spiritually never mature past that. They have a poverty mindset. You look at yourself and you go, I don't have enough. If I give, if I'm generous, I won't be able to pay my bills. If I, if I give my ideas away to other people, I'll run out of ideas, right? Like I have a poverty mindset. Here's the problem with the poverty mindset. A poverty mindset is often not a facts-based thinking. It's not, it's not real. It's often an over-exaggeration that allows you to be a victim where you go, I can't give because I don't have anything to give. This is what she says. What do you have in your house? I have nothing. You have nothing? Or you have a bottle of oil still? The first, I have nothing. I have nothing. I can't give. I have nothing. I can't tithe. I have nothing. I can't serve. I have no time in my schedule. You ever been there? We have people all the time. I have no, it's just a really busy time in my schedule. Like every other person that serves at church has all this extra time. All this time, like they just go and God has rewarded them an extra day. You haven't figured it out yet, right? Like it says extra day they get and you just, you just are, you have all, and like we, we just think if I do this, I won't have enough. Like you have a poverty mindset. It is the greatest obstacle to seeing the blessings of God in your life. And here's why it's so important to not have a poverty mindset, to be a participant in what God wants to do is God's prosperity in your life always takes your participation. Always. Think about it. The woman with the issue of blood, if you don't know the Bible, one time Jesus, uh, this woman has her, her issue healed, and I could explain this to you later. It's, I don't have enough time in this point, and so you can Google it. She has this issue where she bleeds from her lady parts for 12 years, and so and that's all I'm going to say. I said, I said too much, and so, right, and she, she bleeds, and she can't get healed. The Bible says she goes everywhere. She just gets worse, and she touches Jesus' hem of his garment, and she's healed instantly. And she runs away. Jesus feels it. He's like, hey, somebody touched me. The disciples are like, everybody's touching you. He's like, no, no. Somebody with faith touched me. And he has a conversation with her. She didn't get healed by just sitting on the sidelines saying, okay, Jesus, do it. Peter, Peter walks on water. You remember that story? Peter, he walks on water. Jesus call, calls him out of the boat, but he has to participate by getting out of the boat. Jesus feeds 5,000 people with a loaf, with the lunch of one young boy. One time he takes a, a, some fish and some bread and he blesses it and he feeds 5,000 hungry listeners to his sermon. He preached too long, right? He, and so he feeds them. It took the boy participating by giving up his lunch. What do you have? I have, I have a lunch in my hand. God wants to bring prosperity in your life, but it will always require your participation. Your little in God's hands is always much. When you put whatever you have in God's hands, he's always able to do more than you could ever do. And so the number one problem in most of your lives is whether you want to agree with it or not, is you don't give more because you have a poverty, poverty mind. So let me just give you a few, few more thoughts. Number two is this, is if you'll continually empty You'll constantly have plenty. Here's what we teach. 
if I hold and I gather and I hold and I gather and I diversify and I, I invest and I gather and I hold it and I just, God brings more and I, I hold it, then I'll eventually have enough. You ever experienced that? Remember when you were like 23 years old? How many 23-year-olds we have in here? And uh, when I was 23, I remember I had a number in my head that if I could get to that, then I would be rich. Right? So 23, I was making $30,000 a year. I, was, I came out of college. I was feeling loaded. And I remember I made that $30,000 at my first job at my first church. I was a children's pastor. I'm like, you're going to pay me $30,000 to play Chubby Bunny and give your kids Mountain Dew? I'm in. And then we got married, and, you know, I got, I got a wife. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and responsibilities. I went to a Clinique counter with her a couple times, and I realized that's, that's not going to go as far as I thought it was going to go. And I had a number. If I would just get this amount of money, then I'll be rich. Then a few years later, we started a church, and the church started to, to grow, and we got to this level financially, and then we decided to have kids. And then I said, okay, if I could just make this much, then I could pay for my diapers that these kids go in and formula and baby food and clothes. And, and you have babies and you're like, if I could just make a little bit more, I'll be able to afford them. And then they turn into teenagers. And they got to get braces. And they got to drive. And they got to, then you're thinking about college and, oh, you're going to get married someday. But I don't got any girls. And that's a tradition that the girls pay for, so I'm good there. <laughs> going to be traditional there, right? And like, it's just, have you ever realized it's never enough? It's never enough. Like, it doesn't matter what you have. I don't know if you ever noticed that. You're like, if I can get this much, I'll have money in the bank. And then you, it's just never enough. More money, more problems. So I'm going to tell you how to fix that. I'm going to tell you how to, some of you are so stressed out. Money's never enough. Spiritually biting your nails all the time, you're freaked out. Listen, I'm going to tell you how to constantly have plenty in your life. It's, 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 listen, it's counterintuitive, and it does not make sense on this side of eternity. But if you will continually empty in your life, you will constantly have plenty. Think about it. What did she do? She took what she, little she had, and she dumped it into jars. And as she dumped what she had into jars, it kept filling up. When did the oil stop? The oil stopped when she stopped having empty jars. The oil represents provision. It rep represents God's presence. It represents his power. It represents his ability to make a way where there seems to be no way. The Bible says when you decrease, God will be able to increase in, in your life. If you will continually empty of what God brings into your life, you will consistently see that he will continue, continue, continue to bring more in your life. If you live with an open hand, I'm telling you, I, I, I will teach this until I'm dead, right? If you live with an open hand, you will always live under an open hand heaven. If you will continually empty, you will continually give when, when God brings to you, you will consistently have plenty in, in, in your life. In fact, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, I love this verse. I love this. this is, I want all this verse. It says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I want every part of that verse in my life. Anybody else? I want the God of plenty and abundance in my life. If you will continually empty, you will constantly have plenty. I've seen this. In fact, uh, I try to, I try to um, live my life 
uh, as a result of examples that I've seen in other churches in my life. And so one of the churches that I have from a distance uh, loved and, 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 and uh, learned from, but also up close because I lived in the same town they were in, is called Life Church. Life Church. Life Church started in the town that my first church was in. And so I watched this church kind of grow fr from nothing. They did church differently in 2002 and, and three. Like they, they did church with lights and they did church with loud music and they, the pastor wore jeans and I used to have to wear khakis from Kohl's. And I remember thinking, this is how I want to pastor. Like I want to be part of a church like this. They did an altar call every service and God started to grow their church. And as God grew their church, more and more people wanted what they had. They wanted to learn from them. And here's what typically happens in churches. When you, you, your platform gr grows, you eventually begin to say, hey, I can, I can make money off this platform. I can sell my, my messages. We can sell our resources. We can make money out the hard work that we've done, which, listen, is completely reasonable. You did the work. You put the time in. You studied. God's raised your platform, given you the ability to reach out to other people, and now other people want to buy your resources from you. So up, that, up to that point, every church in the world was doing it like that. A pastor would get famous. People wanted his teachings. They would have a commercial, $59.95. You can have all their teachings. We'll send you some holy water. It'll be amazing, right? And I remember he said, listen, as they got bigger, he said, I'm never, I'm never going to sell my, re my, my resources. I'm never going to sell my sermons. We're going to give them away for free. So he gave all his sermons away for free. He missed a moment to make money there. The church started growing. A few years later, uh, they invented something called the Bible app. How many of you have the Bible app on your phone? The Bible app. The Bible app is downloaded by over a billion people on this planet. A billion. How many of you know whoever made that could be rich right now? If he would have just sold that, and they could have, for $1.99, that would be a deal. If they would sell the Bible app to us for $10.99, that would be, I don't know if you ever go into a Christian bookstore, one Bible will cost you $1,000. <laughs> They're overpriced, leather bound, you get your name on it if you want, super expensive, right? Hard to turn the pages. In my opinion, the version absolutely changed history, right? And in the beginning, they said, we're going to develop this program, we're going to do what? We're going to give it away. And as they've consistently emptied, I, I love Life Church, they've consistently emptied in their life. They've constantly had plenty. If you go research their church now, they have over 30 or 40 campuses all over America. They build them debt-free. Over 100,000 people go to one of their campuses on a Sunday morning. And it started a long time ago when they said, we're going to consistently empty of what God brings us. And if we consistently empty, we'll constantly have plenty. Sometimes you go, yeah, yeah, I want what they have. But are you willing to do what they did? Let me just give you one more thought, one more thought. This one, this one's, this one's I like the best is, is when you give to God, when you give to God, when you live, because when you're generous, you're returning back to God, right? What you give to God always multiplies. So here, here's, 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 here's how we think. Okay. When, I, when I'm generous, if I give a dollar away, God will bring a dollar back to me. That's how we think, right? Logic. If I give an idea, God will give an idea. If I do this, and so here's, in this story, she dumps a little bit of oil out, right? She gives a, a jar of oil. So if God's being fair, he, if she gives oil, right, one jar, maybe he brings two jars back to her, right? Two, two things, maybe two. But you see what God does in this situation? She dumps out one tiny little jar of oil. This ain't paying nothing off. No, no debt, it's making one meal, this is nothing. And she pours what she has out, right, into those jars. 
And uh, God multiplies it in such a manner that uh, what would have taken her family and her boys many, many years to pay off? They would have been enslaved for many, many years. God fixes that problem in a moment. Because, hey, pay your debt off and live. You're, you're fine. See, we, we think addition. God thinks multiplication. That's the principle of, of what, you, what you sow, you reap. That's, that's the principle in Scripture. You, you, you reap what you sow. So you, you put into the ground, you, 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 what, what, you give in whatever way. You, you put it into the ground. What you put into the ground, you you reap. It's, it's, I'm, not a, I'm not a farmer, but I'm, you know, I don't know anything about gardens, but I, I understand that. And what you put into the ground, if you put a seed into the ground, let me ask you, are you expecting to grow a seed? You're like, hey, what'd you plant there? I planted a seed. What are you waiting for? I'm waiting for a seed to grow. When you put a seed into the ground, you, you, you know, you Pinteresty, you know, people out here, you grow all this stuff and you got, you know what I'm talking about? Like you, you're, you're, you're a gardener. How, when you put a seed into the ground, what do you expect to grow? Come on, a plant. a plant. And on the plant, what's on the plant? You're not just growing wheat. I had, I had beds in my house. We just kept growing weeds, right? Not the kind that you can sell, just weeds, right? Like it's just. So I ripped them out because I'm not good at it. But some of you are really good at it. You put a seed in the ground, you expect, expect it to grow. And so I, I thought about that. I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a plant guy, but I, I love, I love, uh, I love fruit right and so i know you're not supposed to eat a lot of fruit it'll make you make you unhealthy and make you fat but you know one guy said i never seen a person you overweight say how'd you get away i ate too much fruit <laughs> i just overate fruit right and so so I, I i like fruit and so this is an apple everybody right apple and so this has a cut and i'm gonna get a good one this is this is an apple and so how many apples is it one and so this 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 is how most of us are. We get our apple. I'm not going to eat it in front of you because that'd be super annoying in the microphone. And so I got a couple things I can't stand. I can't be friends with you if you eat apples loud. And so, right? You ever been around somebody that eats loud? You're like, dude, we just can't hang out, right? And so, but this is an apple. So what do we do with most apples? We, we eat them, right? You eat, you eat, you eat, you eat around it. Some of you, how many cut, cut apples? Cut, cut, or slice them up. You're all bougie, right? Any, anybody like a caveman, you just eat it, right? Taylor, Taylor preached last week. You guys remember Taylor? When Taylor eats an apple, he eats the whole thing. Everything. Right? I think that causes cancer or something like that, right? <laughs> he don't care. He eats the whole thing. I'm like, dude, you're going to literally grow an apple tree in your stomach and limbs are going to be poking out from places, right? <laughs> and so he eats the whole thing. But this, let's just, this, is, this represents what you have. Most of us take it, we're like, okay, I got an apple, and we, 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 we eat it. We take it, we eat it, the seeds we throw away, like we just, we eat it. And what happens when you eat one apple, you eat one apple, uh, and you throw it away, it's one apple, right? It's one apple. And so, um, but some of us spiritually begin to understand, when you get an apple, because all of us, we get trusted with, with, with this, with something, right? There's another way to live. Like, what if I took, took this apple, and I was like, okay, like I have one apple, but, I, but, but it's more than I can eat. Because sometimes I only, I don't get like super, like I just eat around. I don't want to get too close to the seeds. It's gross when you, you know, get too close to the core. And so you just want to throw it out. And so what if, what if instead of just taking this one apple, this is my salary, this is my 401k, this is my time, this is my, my all, whatever it is, right? What if I started looking at it and say, man, I, I have more than I need. I should share. 
I should share. So uh, I, I got a knife right here. My wife doesn't know I took this knife. And so what if, what if I just started cutting up apple and there you go, Chris, and I just, I say, you know what? I think I got, I, I got, I got enough. It's uh, back to school time. My kids got enough. I know they want those Jordan 1s, right? But let's be honest, they can't even take care of their Crocs. And so I don't know that they need a $140 pair of shoes. They're nine, eight years old. Maybe we just go to, to, the, to the Adidas out and get him a pair of $30 shoes. But then he, I find out he has a friend on his team. And his friend on his team has a mom that's really struggling. And he never had a nice pair of shoes. So maybe even instead of saying, well, I'll give him, you know what, what my son can afford, which is a pair of Adidas. Maybe I'll say, I'll buy my son a pair of Adidas, but that leaves enough money for that kid who's never had Jordan 1s to get a pair of Jordan 1s. Maybe the next time I go to a restaurant, I don't worry about how good the service is, and I tip based on the service, but I tip based on my relationship with Jesus Christ, and he's been super generous to me. And so I tip from a place of generosity. There you go, Devin. And I give that waitress, I don't know her life. I don't know what's going on or that way. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what they're trying to pay for. But maybe God says in that moment, hey, you got more than enough. It's the fourth time you ate out this week. And you've been going to Dunkin' Donuts every day. This next week, how about you make coffee at home? And why don't you give her a $100 bill? You give it a little bit more. And then, then, then it's, uh, it's Christmas time and... I find out somebody needs something I, got, I can give there. Church is raising money for whatever we're raising money for. We're giving money away. And I just, who's going to catch this? Yeah, there you go. And so you're an athlete. I knew it. And so right there, and I cut some more off. And, and, and over here, I, I just, I just, I, I mean, I can eat some of it, right? Like, I'm, I'm still going to get fed. I'm not going to give all of it away. You're like, you're going to give everything away, and I'm going to eat a little bit. I still got that house, right? I still got all that stuff. But like I just, everywhere I go, I just start, I just start sharing. I just, I'm just generous. And then I get to the, then I get to the core, right? I get to the core. I get to the crappy part, right? All the leftovers, all this. I don't have enough, man. I wish I could have had this. I get to the core. What's in the middle of the core? Anybody know? I start seeing seed potential in my life, right? Seed potential. Super insignificant. I can't get to the seed because I always consume everything. But I start being generous, and all of a sudden, I get to the C. C represents the next great ideas that God has for me, the next blessings that God has for me, the principles of multiplication. And I don't know, I don't know if you ever, ever tried to do the math. How many apples are represented in one seed? Anybody know? Some of you are like, oh, God, I don't know, right? <laughs> we don't know. I mean, this, this is the biggest bucket I can find at church today. I got four bags of apples. We don't know how many apples are represented in one seed. We just know there's a lot. There's abundance. And I'm telling you, so many times, you don't get to the abundance because you have one, and you're like, this is, this is mine. If I don't get mine, if I don't eat mine, if I don't, okay, that's fine. But when, when you release what seems extravagant to you, God will release what seems easy to him. That's it. I'm going to let go. This seems a big deal. It's a big sacrifice for me. That's right. 
but you serve the God of more than enough. You serve the God of multiplication. You serve the God that wants to bless you abundantly so that on all occasions, in all situations, you can accomplish what he's called you to accomplish. Is this a get rich quick? Because I know I got some church people here like, I'm a little uncomfortable with this, Pastor. I don't know about, listen, that's the wrong church for you then. I, I want to live in the blessings of God. I I'm just telling you. I, I want God to, to bring prosperity to my life. I want to be more given. I, I, I want God to increase the resources in my life. I want him to increase the resources in our church. I want to keep giving. I want to give so much money away as a church that it literally, people are like, are you crazy? I, I, I want to be that type of church. I want to have that type of family. I want to be surrounded by those type of people. I want to be surrounded by business owners that literally their accountants go, are you crazy? You give that much money away? You're giving your resources away? You're giving your secrets away to other people? And they're going, no, this isn't the best that God can do. This is the best that I can do. But if I give him the best that I can do, he'll give me the best that he can do. If you want to give, what do you got to do? You want to be given, what do you got to do? You got to give. You want to be given? You got to give. You want to be given. You got to give. You want to be given. It's, it's, not, it's not a gimmick. You want to be entrusted with more. You got to take care of what God has given you. What's he calling you to do with what he's given you? Give. You eat the apple, the apple dies with you. you eat the apple, the apple dies with you. What you reap, what you sow, you reap. I always get it wrong because I'm not a farmer, right? <laughs> what you put in the ground, it grows and it multiplies. You want God to increase, God let go. You stand to your feet all over this house. I made an absolute mess on this stage. Would you bow your heads with me all over this place? Here's what I want you to do. I, I, I want you, I want you to think. There's very real needs coming up in our, in our, in our world. This, listen, nothing to do with our church. Nothing. Nothing to do with our church. We had, the, we had the biggest giving month we've ever had in the history of our church last month. So this is not a message where I'm like, man, it's tight right now. Got to go wring somebody's pocketbooks, right? Has nothing to do with it. I, I wholly, wholeheartedly believe in tithing. I think it'll change your life. But I want to teach you something even better. Generosity. Generosity in everything that you do. So there's going to be all sorts of needs. Some of you have a kid in a sport right now. You only ever think about your kid. Okay, what can I buy them? What can I get them? What can I do? There's, there's kids that are in your neighborhood that can't afford what your kids can afford because of you. You want to give your kid a message, you want to give them a foundation, you want to give them a blessing. Hey, this year, hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to pay for somebody else to play with you. Hey, we're going to buy them the spikes that we would normally buy for you. I think your spikes can fit you one, one more time. You want your kid to be excited about something? Teach them to give. It'll change their life. Take your kid uh, to, to, a senior, to a senior home this week, a young kid. Hey, we're going to go bless these, these, these elderly people that don't have anything. Man, nobody's coming to visit them. We're going to go bless them. We're going to take them cookies. Teach them to give. Maybe it's just, maybe you just, you just eat out like me all the time. I mean, you're, you want to show people Jesus. You don't got to talk to them. You don't got to leave them a track. That stuff's all fine. What I found is, Money gets to people's hearts oftentimes that don't know Jesus especially. So man, why don't you leave an extravagant tip this week? Why don't you pay for somebody's groceries? Why don't you mow somebody else's yard? Why don't you and your kids knock on the door of an elderly neighbor and say, hey, we, 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 we want to bless you. What, what can we do? What, what project can we take care of? Find somewhere. Man, find the time. Some of you are like, I don't have any time. Listen, no, you, you do. That's just an exaggerate lie. You're not that busy, and you're not that important. Let's just, just say that to yourself. It's free. 
You're busy because you find your worth and your value and how busy that you are, it's actually your idol. The Bible tells you to rest. The Bible tells you God is in control. I promise you God can do more with a life of obedience and submission than you can do with all of the moments of every day that you have. I'm gonna live a generous life. Here's why it's so important, by the way. Uh, generosity looks like Jesus. Think about it. He give you some of his life, give you some of his blood. The Bible says he laid down his life for you. And I love that it says, while you were still a sinner, that Jesus Christ was dying on the cross for your sins. Shakes me to the core to understand that. That before I was thinking about him, before I was uh, having a relationship with him, before I was seeking his face, that he was pursuing me. That as I was running, that he was running after me. That as my heart was hardening, that he was knocking there. That he is a generous, extravagant God that loves me more than I can imagine. And so this is, I love generosity because it looks like Jesus. Here's the thing as we close. Some of you, you've never experienced that. You've never experienced the generosity of, of God through Jesus Christ. You don't have a relationship with, with God through his son. And he shed his blood on a cross. He gave up his life for yours. But you know you need to change. You know you can't do this life on your own anymore. You know you've tried. You've pursued everything this world has to offer and you've looked at every corner uh, that you could look and tried to find life, tried to find purpose, tried to find passion. And no matter how much you search, it feels like an endless journey. And I'm telling you that what you're looking for is found in Jesus. Life is found in Jesus. Grace is found in Jesus. Purpose and passion is found through Christ. Joy is found through Jesus. Peace, some of you, I can't tell you how many people I meet that are filled with anxiety. That's because that's a result of living a life without God, but peace is found in Christ. It's not a chemical imbalance in your head. It's not a brokenness in your life. It's not passed down genetically to you. It's as a result of living in a broken world. Where else are you going to be when you look at life and all that it has to offer and it still leaves you empty? That's anxiety. Jesus fixes that. He gives you life and life to the full. And the Bible says if you would call on him, if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus came, that he died on a cross as a sacrifice in your place on that cross, and on the third day he rose in power. If you would put your faith in him, that he would save you, heal you, and make you whole. So here's the thing. He's here. The Bible says there two or more gathered that he shows up, and he's knocking. Some of you, you've been here, you're like, I can't even believe what's going on in my life right now, but it feels like you were talking to me today. And the Bible says that God knocks at the door of our hearts. If we would just let him in, the Bible says, how do we let him in? We confess with our mouth, and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, and he'll come into our life, and he'll heal us, he'll forgive us, and he'll make us whole. So with every head bowed, every eye closed here in Montgomeryville, I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. I know he's knocking at the door of my heart. 
I believe in the message of generosity that Jesus generously laid down his life for me. And so today I want to say yes to him. I want him to come into my life, heal me, and make me whole. I want to pray with you as we close. If you don't know Jesus, but you need to, I want to lead you in a simple prayer. I believe this moment changes everything. I don't know Jesus Christ, but I need to. Nobody looking around in this moment. You would say, that's me. Would you just shoot your hand straight towards heaven right now? I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I see a hand over there. I see a hand right here. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. I need him to heal me, forgive me, and make me whole. Is there anybody else who would say, Pastor, that's me. I don't know Jesus, but I need to. Would you just pray with me all over our houses? Montgomeryville, if you raise your hand, would you repeat after me something like this? Say, Jesus Christ, today I put my life in your hands. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. I believe because of you, Jesus, that I'm a brand new person. I'm forgiven, I'm healed, and I'm whole. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you. Now, as we celebrate that, and we thank Jesus for what he does in this church through his message and with his presence, I want you to focus on generosity right now all over this house. I already know how generous this church is in the in-house, in but we're going to focus outside of this church now. All over this house, uh, we're going to bless everywhere that we go, everywhere our feet touch. We're going we're gonna to display the generosity that God has given to us through his son, Jesus. Right now, God, would you reveal easily opportunities? Would you give us eyes to see? Would you give us ears to listen? Listen, would you give us hands that move and a heart that is willing to be obedient to what you're speaking right now? Thank you in advance for what you're going to do. Thank you that we can trust you, even in areas that seem extravagant to us. When we trust you with the big things, God, that you'll bring even bigger things to our lives. That's how you work. You're the God of multiplication. We're thankful for that. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for how you change us and mold us, equip us, and empower us. And now we leave this place, and our mission is to be the church to this world. In Jesus' name that we pray all over our houses one more time. Would you shout amen? amen. Let's clap together one more time. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.